Welcome to the Caregiver Conversations podcast. My name is Antonia Harbin-Lamb, and I am the Program Manager for Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. The purpose of this podcast is to provide information and resources for caregivers so they can be more successful and effective caregivers. This podcast is being sponsored by the Prevent Initiative. The Prevent Initiative funds programs focused on elder abuse and neglect prevention. Today, we will be discussing the documents that caregivers need to assist their care recipients and avoid court proceedings. We are also gonna talk about two important community initiatives that my guest is responsible for spearheading. Today, I am happy to have with me Katie Graham. Hi, Antonia. Great to see you. Great to see you as well, Katie. Katie is a graduate of the University of Windsor and the University of Detroit School of Law. She recently retired after 25 years from Neighborhood Legal Services, Michigan. She was the program director and managing attorney for their Elder Law and Advocacy Center. Katie is a former chair and current member of the Elder Law and Disability Rights Section of the State Bar of Michigan. She remains active in the community as a member of the Hannon Foundation Board of Trustees and the Advisory Council for the Detroit Area Agency on Aging. Thank you again for joining me today, Katie. Oh, it's my pleasure, Antonia. Can you tell us about the important documents that care recipients need to have in place so their caregivers have legal authority to fully assist them? Sure. I would say there are five important documents that should be considered. Everybody, every adult should consider these documents, but it's especially important for caregivers and the care recipient. Uh, Caregivers should do them for themselves, and the care recipient should do them, which will make the caregivers lives and business a lot easier to handle. They are powers of attorney, of which there are three that we can talk about, but the power of attorney for health care, I think, is the most important document anyone can do in their lifetime. Then there's the financial power of attorney, and additionally, there's what we call the parental power of attorney. Another important document to consider, but very carefully, because they can be very expensive and sometimes unnecessarily expensive, is a trust. There are many types of trust, but one very important trust for caregivers and care recipients to think about are called a special needs trust. Third document for everyone to consider are specialized types of agreements that people can come to. As you well know, Antonio, mediation can result in wonderful agreements that help families coming apart come together. Yes. And uh, a mediated agreement to deal with caregiver situations is a wonderful, wonderful way for everybody to get on board and understand all the dynamics and what roles people will play and their responsibilities. A fourth document everyone should consider is what we refer to in the legal world as a ladybird deed. It's actually uh, an enhanced life estate document where you name a beneficiary on your property, and after the owner of the property dies, it will go directly to the beneficiary without probate. Most people have heard that term, you want to avoid probate. Well, be very careful when people start scaring you about that. There are some good, effective, safe ways to do that, but avoiding probate is not your utmost concern by far. And the last document we recommend everybody should do is a will, meaning your last will and testament. 
None of these are one size fits all. Everyone's situation is unique, and there may be different or additional documents that are warranted by the situation. But these five documents address what a lot of people's needs are. And then there's options rather than just documents that people should think about, such as mediation, looking at Social Security and becoming a representative payee can be very helpful. And the VA, of course, has their very own special forms, <laughs> many, many different types of forms that if you're dealing with a vet, you should really consider looking into their forms and doing their very own forms. Are there any special things or anything specific that a caregiver needs to know or understand about these documents? Well, the caregiver should certainly understand that the care recipient is the one doing the documents, unless, of course, they're doing their own. But in the situation where they're trying to get legal authority to handle the affairs of the care recipient, that care recipient must have capacity. They cannot do these documents if they become legally incapacitated, which means they're unable to make or communicate informed decisions. That's a legal determination. It's often helped by a medical determination, but ultimately it is a legal determination. So the care recipient must have capacity. They retain power and control. They can revoke these documents. The person must do these voluntarily. So you can't force another one to do it. It's actually illegal to force someone to fill these documents out. And finally, I would suggest that everybody understand that the power of attorney documents are no longer effective after the death of the person who gave this power away. It seems like a lot of work to get all those documents together. What should caregivers or care recipients do? Should they consult with an attorney or try to do them on their own? Great question. Ideally, they should speak to an elder law attorney ahead of time and then uh, and shop and compare for your elder law attorney. But you should definitely um, consider each of these documents. As I said, everybody doesn't uh, need all five or they may need different documents altogether in addition to some of these. But uh, everyone should know your situation is unique. Don't take uh, the advice that everybody needs a trust because trusts can be very great things, but they can also cost people a lot of money unnecessarily. We uh, saw that, unfortunately, many times in our practice. Okay. Since you were the director of programs and managing attorney at the Elder Law and Advocacy Center, we have to talk about that Elder Law and Advocacy Center. <laughs> Glad uh, to. Can you tell us about the center and what it offers, why you founded it, why you were a co-founder. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes, uh, Linda White, my, um, yes. my partner, was, yes. was very much uh, involved all along the way. Um, the Elder Law and Advocacy Center was developed specifically to address the needs of older adults. And at first it wasn't spoken in terms of caregivers, but it always was dealing with older adults and their caregivers. It was often the adult children calling us sometimes on different sides of this, the issue, but the adult children would call, and then, of course, we would have to talk to the older adults specifically to address their legal needs. They would be our client, hopefully with the help of the caregiver, and there was no nothing going awry there. Unfortunately, we saw a lot of not-so-great issues with kids fighting over <laughs> what the parent would want and things like that. However, it was um, we were developed it, at the time, right before the National Family Caregiver Act was passed. And when that was passed, we knew that 
what was at the forefront of their needs was legal education and assistance. So we began looking for funding through that act and elsewhere to you know, build our center into caregiver focused in addition to still doing the legal assistance for uh, older adults. But caregiver funding was becoming available and without the knowledge that legal could really address a lot of the problems and prevent a lot of the problems, we felt we were at the forefront of developing programs to address that. The Elder Law and Advocacy Center still provides that, and they also provide and have for years free legal assistance to anyone 60 or older in Wayne County. I mean, not with every type of issue that comes up. We are certainly limited in funding, but we do provide assistance to thousands of people a year. I say we, I'm sorry, I'm retired, but I can't help myself. The Elder Still Law very connected. <laughs> yes. The Elder Law and Advocacy Center also provides a lot of education. There are educational offerings on the legal needs of older adults in general and for caregivers and care recipients specifically. We also have a, a major program dealing with elder abuse prevention, as you well know. Antonia Mediation became one of our major programs under that umbrella. Um, elder abuse prevention and how to address it and how to, um, in, in addition to us, to access available resources. And finally, one of our oldest standing programs is to assist grandparents who are raising grandchildren or kinship care situations. And we've been doing that probably for 25 years. Wow. Quite a list of extensive services that are provided at the Elder Law and Advocacy Center. Can you approximate how many people you think this program has served over the years? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can come up with a a rough guess. For our outreach and education, it was many thousands a year. Um, Programs on the radio or cable TV shows uh, reached, of course, many thousands of people. Our legal services program serves a couple thousand a year, and I would ask back to you how many you serve in mediation, which of course is our uh, sister agency and great partner. Yeah, probably around a couple thousand as well. Um, So yeah, definitely serving a lot of people. And not just Wayne County. Uh, I mentioned Wayne County for the legal assistance, you have to live in Wayne County and be 60 or older to have an attorney go to court with you or draft documents for you. But the education is actually Michigan-wide. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And let me ask you this, Katie. A few years ago, the Elder Law and Advocacy Center created a campaign for elder abuse prevention, uh, the No Excuse for Elder Abuse campaign. Can you discuss how this came about and why this campaign is still important today. Unfortunately, this campaign will be important, I'm sure, in our lifetimes. Elder abuse is not going away. It came about through funding from uh, Area Agency on Aging 1B and elsewhere, and working with a uh, public relations firm uh, with Sandy Hermanoff, who developed a wonderful campaign with the assistance of several other collaborators that came together with us. It was developed to bring heightened awareness to this issue. The main goal was to get it in the forefront. Elder abuse is so vastly underreported, we don't know the actual number of cases that are out there. But as I said, it's not going away. Uh, We need to keep this issue in the forefront. The more attention it gets will show the need for prevention and services for victims. 
that's where I always say resources from, you know, the government and anywhere else uh, we can get it from foundations or other funders. We need to emphasize that most of the time elder abuse is a crime and resources have to be allocated specifically to it as a crime, but also socially. Of course, prevention is the key to eradicating this horrific problem, but it just needs to be continually brought to the forefront. And I know, Antonio, you played a, a great part in having um, a big splash on billboards and other things in the community. And mediation is one of the wonderful ways to prevent mediation. And I'm speaking, preaching to the choir <laughs> here, but it can certainly bring families together before an abusive situation develops. Right. That's true. Mediation is can be very instrumental in elder abuse prevention. So we're we're happy to have all of these programs together. And thank you for joining us today, Katie. It is my pleasure. And I would just like to add, there is a toll-free statewide hotline where people can call to report abuse. Okay. And that number is 855-444-3911. And of course, uh, you can always contact Great Lakes Legal mediation division if you have any questions or problems reporting yes you can and if caregivers have more questions they can call also the elder law and advocacy center do you remember the phone number oh i do <laughs> <laughs> even though i may forget my own sometimes <laughs> but it is uh, 313-937-8291 okay thank you again katie my pleasure thank you antonio this is Antonia Harbin-Lamb. Thank you for listening. For more information about our mediation program and more podcasts, please call 313-937-8282 or find us on Facebook at Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. It's where families coming apart come together.